Good day, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of Shadow Talk, brought to you by Digital Shadows. I'm Sean, the king of the ums, and I'm also joined by our plucky security team. Uh, we are led by our fearless leader, Rick Holland, today. Uh, we also have Chris Morgan from the UK joining us, as well as Rob Curtis, one of our uh, intrepid security engineers. So I really so, wish we weren't doing a special podcast today, because uh, if we're doing one on a Monday, something is not going right. Yeah. So uh, in case you all are wondering why we're here today, uh, basically, we are looking at the vulnerability that's been caused with Log4j, which is a uh, framework set up, um, part of an open source deal that handles logging. Um, but if you have been under a rock since Friday, uh, I congratulate you. Um, for doing that because uh, this basically kicked up a bit of a hornet's nest over the weekend. Um, so we'll go through a little bit and talk about uh, basically what's happened, kind of the background of the vulnerability uh, with some technical details. We'll talk about things we've observed so far. Um, and then we'll also look at maybe some of your long-term implications of this vulnerability. Um, so I guess uh, one thing I do wanna make sure we call out is uh, and I've been seeing this as a very popular theme on Twitter today, which has been great. Uh, but a big shout to the blue teams out there, the security teams, the SOC teams, all the defenders that are have been basically beating this back. Um, having sat through two different Apache struts uh, exploit extravaganzas in previous years, I know the pain that some of these some of these folks are going through. Uh, so uh, you know, kudos to everybody for keeping the defenses up and also to the support teams out there that have been pulling their hair out probably all weekend, um, trying to track down the problem and mitigate. So big shouts to, to our blue team brethren and sisters out there and other folks. Hey, red team as well, because the red teams have been running these exploits against the environments too. Right. So it is pretty much the entire it security stack that's uh, spun in engineering teams, software engineering teams as well. So yeah. it's not a fun time to be in the uh, IT security space this weekend, I don't think. Yeah. And all the poor account managers and, uh, you know, customer uh, representatives that are working out there tirelessly sending out messages. So yeah, it's uh, it's a giant team effort. Um, so shouts to everybody that have been pulling this off and, you know, probably running ragged by this point. Um, so to start off, we'll talk a little bit about the background. Um, I'm going to pass the mic over to Rob uh, to give us kind of a quick rundown on uh, just some things about this vulnerability. Thank you very much. Yeah, so I'll just give a bit of big background on what Log4j is, how it's used, and, and a bit about the vulnerability as well. So um, Log4j is a Java-based logging framework. Um, it's a project by the Apache Software Foundation. Um, and on December 9th, Last week, the Apache Foundation released uh, an update to Log4j, uh, so version 2.15.0, um, as an emergency update for a critical vulnerability uh, found within the, the package. Um, so the vulnerability is kind of uh, being coined Log4Shell log uh, received the highest CVS score of 10. Um, what's really kind of interesting about this vulnerability is that it uh, exploitation occurs when a specifically crafted string is processed by the log4j library. Um, basically what happens is uh, when this string is interpreted or processed by the library, it's interpreted and it can result in remote code execution compromising the target system. Um, as exploitation only really requires um, 
the log4j utility to process that malicious string um, and logging systems pulling data from all sorts of locations and sources the potential paths for exploitation are, are numerous with this particular vulnerability um that's a that's a little bit of an understatement right it is <laughs> it's a lot yeah, yeah for sure um as a result the attack surface is is widespread uh, this makes kind of responding to this very difficult um so we've seen examples of kind of widespread exploitation using um user agent headers so inserting that malicious string into user agents uh, which when processed by log4j causes remote code execution um but it's really any user controlled input which is logged by that library which can result in rce um initial examples of like the minecraft um exploit that was achieved through the chat function um alone so users or players on that server could submit that malicious string into the chat and compromise the server itself. Um, so yeah, what's really interesting to me about this one is, is the amount of creative thinking that can be applied by an attacker. Um, really the only limit to, um, to identifying kind of paths for exploitation is kind of the creativity of the attacker. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be a long tail for this one, as we all know, um, and we'll be seeing um, exploits um, and applications being compromised for a long time to come. Yeah, I know that one of the big questions we got on Friday um, from some media outlets was, you know, how common is it? And the long and short answer is like, too common probably um you know it's like uh i think it was like redis Elasticsearch. there was like parts of apple's infrastructure there was stuff in amazon um you know so a lot of like kind of like linchpin applications and different um services that were using this and it's you know when you look at the the type of apis that it can handle and it, it, it you know handles a bunch of different you know like mongodb couchdb um there's all kinds of like different ways to interface so you're looking at like like you said, it's just the attack surface is just huge. And, and I think it's going to keep growing. You know, there's going to be more stuff that there's going to be those. I feel like in the next few days, still those like, oh, yeah, we do have that in here, um, which to me is a little scary. Um, you know, and I know Rick will probably speak to that nightmare here in a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's amazing, like how how quickly this went from like, eh, you know, maybe just a couple things to like, oh, my God, it's a lot. So, yeah, um, I just from I think linchpin applications is, is definitely a term I'm going to steal off you, Sean. <laughs> there's not going to be a company around that isn't using some product that is impacted by this in some way. Yeah, everybody, even if they don't run Java themselves um, and in their own software development, they're going to have a vendor that does. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, as, as you know, as widespread as the use of Java even is, I mean, from phones to car systems to, you know, like different web applications, like it's just so ubiquitous, you know, I, I, we're going to be probably feeling this for a while. So um, I know that um, I saw some, you know, tweets, uh, you know, from coming out of like Cisco and Cloudflare, um, a couple other spots and like, you know, they're saying that some of these attacks have 
gone back to at least the beginning of December, as far as from what they can see. So, you know, there's been about a week and a half or so that adversaries have already had kind of a lead time on this, um, that, you know, the exploits were even being tried. And then, you know, the public disclosure actually happened, you know, this last week. Um, and then there went the entire internet. Uh, I know in one article I saw that, you know, there was like, you know, well over 10,000 different IPs that was like an increase of, you know, uh, exponential increase over the previous week's activity um, looking for that stuff. So, you know, it's, it, you know, it could be researchers, could be, you know, white hats out there, but, you know, there's a really good chance that it's a lot of, a lot of adversaries out there looking because um, you can just botnet it out and then, you know, hit those mass scans on the internet. So um, I, I expect to see more of this stuff popping out. I know the good news that we did uncover as far as on Friday was there's like different uh, vendors that was, were already releasing signatures um, to update for web application firewalls, which was good. Um, I know Cloudflare rolled out WAFs to pretty much any customer that they had, even if they didn't pay for WAFs. Um, so uh, hopefully we're going to see a lot more of this stuff as far as for the common good and um, seeing more signatures. I'm sure, you know, every IDS and EDR vendor out there is rolling out something if they haven't already. Um, there was already Suricata and Snort signatures available. Uh, I know Splunk release detections. So there's going to be uh, a lot of stuff coming out. So if you're in charge of any point of that security stack, like Rick was talking about, you know, this is the time to start checking it out and seeing how you're affected. Um, have we seen as far as like any more dark web stuff, um, you know, or any other kind of like chatter on the internet anywhere? I can jump on that one, Sean. So I, I guess the first thing to state with that is that you know, unsurprisingly, threat actors are, are widely discussing Log4j on, on various cyber criminal websites. You know, they're, they're sharing the proof of concept related to this. They're, you know, as you said, conducting mass scanning. Uh, and as you were saying, sort of 10,000 IPs are, are being referenced by security researchers. Um, the computer, um, well, the, the CERT team in, uh, in New Zealand actually warned on Friday, um, obviously, that the issue is being actively exploited in the wild, which may have actually started as early as December 1st. So, you know, if you're going to go back and start looking at your logs, um, looking for sort of suspicious activity, then it might be a good idea to stretch it back to, you know, start of December. Um, but yeah, just to, safe to say that all those check marks when you're, you're kind of calculating risk. So is it exploitable? Is there a proof of concept? Is it being actively exploited? You know, all these have been ticked off. And, you know, while I don't believe there's been confirmation that nation state associated actors have successfully exploited log4j you know you can guarantee uh, that this will drum up a considerable amount of interest from from those types of actors um, and i think this is yeah. what you know rob was referring to you know the limits of creative thinking that's the kind of opportunity you, you don't want to present an actor but unfortunately this vulnerability does give them it wasn't uh, it wasn't just the defenders working over the weekend you got to imagine software development teams the, the professional ones for nation state groups were uh, looking into to this. And then obviously the cyber criminals also looking to capitalize it. So yeah, it was a busy weekend for both sides of the, uh, the force. Yeah. I wonder how adversary notifications happen over the weekend too. It's like, you know, you get a text at your, you know, Dacha and outside of Moscow and it's like, Oh, I got, I guess I got to log in now. You know, like you thought you had the weekend off. So poor guys. Yeah. Um, yeah for them, they know they they're going to make some money on this. So there's a, there's probably uh, initial access brokers. I haven't looked into this yet, but like the initial access brokers using this to gain access to the environments that then they pedal off. So yeah, there's it's a busy weekend for all for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I know that <clears throat> the first strikes we've seen so far have been what coin miners uh, were kind of among the first waves, and then you already got you know your botnets out there. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see that the race to patch. You know, as far as getting the maintenance downtime and then you know being able to apply the patches or you know take care of the mitigations and the, the mitigations only work from what I from what I've seen so far is from version two point one zero through basically 2.15 and then anything else <clears throat> i couldn't find anything else about it being supported for mitigation so if you're running a really really old version of log 4j um, some of the best advice that i saw was to just basically assume you're already compromised and just work from there um, and especially with the mass scans and mass exploits starting that's probably going to be a good good way to go I know Huntress, and there's been a couple of other projects on GitHub that got released as far as being able to check if you have vulnerable versions. Um, so, you know, definitely like caveat emptor, you know, like buyer beware. Uh, I, I can't vouch for that specifically. Um, I don't know if anybody else on this podcast can, but, uh, it, you know, like there are some ways to check if you have vulnerabilities, um, things like that in an automated fashion. So maybe to save you a little bit of time. Um, definitely check those out and do the due diligence on those for sure. Um, which kind of brings us to the next point uh, that, you know, I know Rick has um, had some, has had some firsthand experience in, in the, in the hot seat is, you know, so, you know, like how does this affect companies right now? Like, uh, I mean, the timing of it, we're in the middle of Q4, um, you know, organizations are already terrible with asset management or any kind of CMDB um, for stuff, you know, so, like, what does this mean for those types of organizations out there, right? This kind of makes me wish I was a Forrester analyst again and uh, could just talk about what you need to do versus having to coordinate efforts and discovery and, and all of the, that sort of stuff. It's a tough it's a tough spot to be in. It makes me think about people are like, oh, just check your CMDB and then magically all your assets are going to appear. I'd say that's someone that doesn't have any ground truth, even when you have a good asset inventory. It's never good enough. So just even discovering the vulnerable hosts that you have in the environment, vulnerable applications is a big enough challenge for organizations. And then maintaining that on an ongoing basis, you know, I, I kind of would like to see in the Biden administration had this in was the spring when they did one of their, um, um, was it a executive order for the government agencies about setting timelines to have a software bill of materials you know, I think this will drive up at least the desire for S-bombs, you know, from customers and things like that. You know, that's what we're asking for all of our providers, um, ourselves and our customers are asking uh, of us. Um, of course, you know, there's got to be some kind of incentive or, you know, fine of some sort to drive, you know, vendors to go ahead and create that. So that's just you know, one of the, the, the big issues that I see right now is just understanding the scope of the assets that are out there. And, uh, and then particularly, you know, for a lot of our clients as well, you know, large global multinational companies grown by, grown by uh, M&A activity as well, right? So now you have even more complexity. So anybody that just says, oh, well, why haven't you discovered all your assets? And why do you, don't you know this doesn't really appreciate the challenges of this? It's not an excuse, but it's just a super complex and, and challenging thing to do. That, that's why I think, you know, taking risk-based pros to your assets, knowing the assets for your most critical systems, you know, what are the ones that have client data? What are the ones that have, you know, regulatory data, whatever the case may be, and then focus on those because just like we can't scan and, and patch all the things, we're, we're not going to be able to discover all the things effectively. 
on that note, though, we have seen like millions and millions of dollars invested in the asset discovery space, you know, Palo Alto and Expanse and all the different ones that are out there to try to solve this problem. But hopefully this drives the priority list um, uh, for for asset discovery because it's a big challenge for everybody. Yeah, M&A is rough. I definitely, you know, worked on the, the the sock side of things with a couple of those and you know the amount of shadow it that already exists within an organization and then you bring on another organization that also has its own shadow it and the people that were in charge of that server are gone or left or got promoted or whatever and you know you have all these things just out in the ether somewhere and it's it's really tough like it's you know just trying to not only figure out where it is but what you even have on the box or even in have access to the box sometimes uh, <laughs> no <laughs> that's a really true one too yeah, yeah uh, dependencies on those services as well yeah, yeah. To understand that yeah and then ironically do you have logs for the boxes and oh by the way the logs might be using the same vulnerability um <laughs> that we're trying to to do so i think you know the asset discovery is one component of it the creativity as rob's kind of alluded to just makes a lot it's a choose your own adventure book with lots of options for the attacker and for for red teams uh, that are out there, um, and then the third for me, the third party risk management you know, that's a big one for us is you know looking at the estate, looking and again triaging. I mean, we just had this call this morning, right? Triaging, looking at the the types of data that a, a vendor has, and, and 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 starting with those. So you know, if you've got audits coming up anytime soon, guaranteed your auditors are going to probably ask how you responded to responded to this one. Um, you know, Sean already mentioned, right, some of the vendors that are putting out their updates and those are going to continue. But, you know, companies have thousands of, of, of providers and, you know, tens of thousands of providers, depending on the size. So that's going to be a, a challenge there. And that's then you're going to have to validate those. You're not going to be able to validate all of them. So I think it kind of speaks to some of the unscalable components of third party risk management as well. Yeah, so the, the good thing is, uh, like we've been talking about is with all the different vendors that are putting stuff out, uh, one of the kind of best information, uh, sources of information, I should say, out there is uh, Curated Intel has a Log4Shell IOC list that's been put up on GitHub. Um, we'll have the links here in the show notes uh, so that you can refer to it. It's vendor agnostic, uh, which is good. It's basically got anything and everything that includes IOCs for Log4Shell, um, we will probably be including this in Intel update, as I recall, um, if anybody wants to keep me honest on this. I know this it's, was... It's on the one uh, that was released this morning. Okay. Uh, on the UK time, so yeah, it's in there. Perfect. So if you're a Digital Shadows customer, you already have this list, um, but we'll include it in the show notes for those of you who um, have not seen the Intel update. Um, so that will be in the, in the list as well. Uh, we already have a blog out uh, talking about what we know so far, uh, which we pushed out on Friday afternoon, US time. So if you're a regular uh, subscriber to the Digital Shadows blog, uh, you should already see that. Uh, hopefully we don't end up with egg in our face. I think we did a pretty good job as far as um, getting a, a good amount of information for what we know and keeping you know our predictions fairly realistic um, so we're not running into anything where we completely you know found out we got it wrong i think we did okay um we should be hopefully getting out some more update information as things go on i know we are monitoring this daily if not hourly on what's happening here at digital shadows uh, but we will as always have those uh links available for you in upcoming shadow talk podcasts uh and also with Updates across the socials. Uh, we've been hitting this pretty hard on LinkedIn and Twitter. 
Um, so just keep an eye out. We will update things as we find out, uh, just, you know, not only for our customers, but just for the common good, for the benefit of everybody out there. Um, this is, this is a big one. So I've, I've got one more final, final recommendation. I tweeted about this on Saturday. Um, but to quote one of my favorite shows, Battlestar Galactica, all of this has happened before and will happen again. While you're in the midst of investigations and incident response, um, and even on the red side, right, developing exploits and testing, blah, 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 make sure you capture your after action review notes and lessons learned. Um, we've had a number of calls today where we're like, oh, let's tweak this, this procedure, let's add this to it and that. You know, you don't want to get to two weeks after the initial rush to try to think back to all the things that you you, you could have improved. Uh, you might forget them. So, you know, take time, you know, while you're doing this work to, to capture those notes. Also take time to rest as well. Um, it's kind of obvious, but I think we grind pretty easily yeah. um, in our space. And, you know, who knows what else is going to happen in the, in the coming weeks as well. So for everybody running teams, make sure that you have shifts and rotations going that people have fresh minds because if you're burned out, it's not going to help your analytical skills and then it's going to be counterproductive to what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, for sure. One of my friends kind of summed it up really well this weekend, super timely, but you know, she basically said, it's like, we've all been running with our check engine light on and like, you know, we're right at the time where things are going to start to break, especially with the stress of additional things. So y'all make sure you're taking care of yourselves uh, out there for sure. Um, hopefully we get to a point where kind of, as we were talking about before on a, on a team call was, uh, you know, like we can get to a point where it's like the U S and allies and the Germans singing Christmas songs to each other across the, the front lines for just a couple of days. We can just like reset, not have any more exploits or attacks for a little bit. Um, that'd be nice. We could just hang out for a few days, you know, uh, you know, red team adversaries, blue team, everybody just agrees to just like stop shooting each other for just a couple of days over Christmas or new year's. So I hope so. Uh, way, so. you're not happy this didn't happen like two weeks from now yeah you know, it's the 13th oh. and not the 23rd or something for sure yeah when you have just one person in the office you know like having to maintain you know three thousand servers so <laughs> yeah uh well uh as i said before we'll have some uh, interesting links for you here in the show notes um and as always drop us a line if you have any kind of comments we're also pretty active on the socials so if you have anything you want to hit us up about? Uh, I know Rick is always out there um, adding his two cents to, to some really interesting stuff and giving some perspectives. So um, hit us up on the socials or otherwise, um, you know, just continue to keep posted here. We'll update as we know. Um, anybody else have any alibis? Anything we... Well, thank you all again for joining us for this special edition of Shadow Talk. Uh, once again, this has been brought to you by Digital Shadows. We thank you again for listening. Have a great rest of the week. <laughs>